Hi everyone, today is a new day and you're a part of it. Join me, Dr. Megs, for short stories and quick tips to boost your mood and your productivity. This is the PGH Dreamers Pod. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the PGH Dreamers Pod. Our path continues today as we speak with local entrepreneurs, creators, and thinkers who are doing big things in the Pittsburgh area. Our guest today is Kelly Costa, the founder and owner of Churn, a homemade ice cream and coffee shop with three locations in the Pittsburgh area. Kelly has an incredible story, and I'm so excited for our listeners to hear it today. Welcome to the pod, Kelly. Hi, thank you. Happy to be here. Awesome. So let's start off today with breaking ground. Just a few quick questions to break the pavement and get us kicked off. You up for that? Yep. All right. First question. Do you have a morning ritual? And if so, what is it? Yeah. So I get up every morning at 4.30 and pretty much as soon as I get up, I honestly try to go for a 30 minute walk and I pretty much drink a whole glass of water. And then honestly, I head out to the coffee shops and I've been doing the same thing for almost five years now. So a lot of people think it's super early, but I don't know. I've been doing it so long. It's pretty much like clockwork. So even if I would have a day off, I pretty much still I'm going to be up by 5 a.m consistency and an early bird yeah so I was also I've always been an early bird even when I went to school so it's really that's not like the biggest thing I probably though only used to get up at six but yeah I know it seems to get my blood flowing and pretty much make me alert for whatever's gonna come at me at the coffee shops outstanding all right question two do you have a favorite book or author I actually like pretty much any type of business book and I won't lie. So in the last two years, I think that I've really seen such a change in my employees in the mental health industry. And that is definitely not my strong suit because it wasn't nearly as prevalent in society when I was growing up and in high school. So I don't necessarily have a favorite author, but I definitely gravitate towards any book about emotional and mental health in the workplace or how to make different personalities work well together or how to get behavioral collaboration. So those are definitely kind of my good book reads recently and pretty much where I spend most of my energy because I would say if I have a weakness, that's probably it because it wasn't the realm that I grew up with in high school. Sure. And you're, you're learning. So then you can pass it on to your employees, which is really, really nice. Okay. Yes. And kind of along those routes, third question, how do you keep your body and mind healthy? I know you already talked about walking and reading these books, anything else? Yeah. Well, I've, I would say probably about, I don't know, five years ago, I really used to like running because especially at night, I just think it's the easiest way to relieve stress. And it's one of the few times you can zone out without technology. Um, My health has definitely affected my capabilities of running. And I won't lie, after one of my recent surgeries, I only was able to start running again pretty much the past month. So I'm slowly getting into it. And for someone that used to run like five to eight miles a day, I'm only able to run about like 30 minutes without needing to rest for a good hour or two. So running's always been my way to break away from the world only because even if I would go for a walk, I'm still going to take my cell phone, but when I run, I don't. So I'm slowly building up my stamina to be a runner again. Wow. And have you like ran any marathons? I'm um, not recently. Like I I'll do like five K's and I once did like the 
path for the Pittsburgh Marathon, but I have a goal with myself and my doctors that once I can get up to running the half Pittsburgh Marathon again, I'm going to organize a run for the Brain Aneurysm Foundation and Turn's going to host it and I'm going to run it. And that's like my big goal, but I'm probably at least a good year away from that. Nice. Awesome. Well, that'll be incredible. Good. Yeah, okay. um, I believe I'll get there one day. You will. You will. You're, yeah. you're dedicated and determined. Yeah. So. Okay. The, the final icebreaker question. If you could describe yourself with one word, what would it be? Persistent. I seldom take no for an answer. And if I can't get there easily, I will get there hard. But one way or another, I'm definitely going to get there. I'm a big believer that if there's a will, there's a way. So you can get there. You just have to figure it out. And even on my build outs, I've become the GC on all my build outs. And I will say that, you know, I used to think plumbing is super difficult. And if you don't know that trade, you can't figure it out. But I've learned over the last few build outs that, all right, it's just pipes and they all have to go somewhere. So if something's not working, you just have to follow a pipe and figure out how that pipe no longer connects or where a clog is or how to snake. And even with electrical wires, it's kind of like the same thing. And I guess if you would ask me 10 years ago, anything about construction, I would have, you know, pretty much blank stared, look at you. But now I realize that things are a lot more simpler than we realize. It's just a lot of us don't take any time to even try. I would say that that's definitely what I've learned. I mean, there are things now I can fix like a cooler or a freezer that I never would have thought I could even fathom looking at before. Wow. And you're definitely going to make half marathon. <laughs> <laughs> I have no doubt you're going to be back. Thanks, running. Thanks. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So now that our listeners got to know you a little bit, let's start by talking about your journey. So can you give us your background, maybe leading us from like your childhood through school to where you are now with churn? Basically, how did you pave your own way? Sure. Well, you know, I went through school and when I was in school, I always played sports, soccer and softball. So I kind of grew up in a very competitive environment. And then when I turned 15, my dad wanted us to learn the entrepreneurial way. I have a brother. So he bought a little walk-up ice cream shop, came up for sale. And my dad bought it in the theory that me and my brother could work at it instead of just working at McDonald's and maybe start understanding what actually makes a business tick and how you pay bills and how it's not just about customers, but it's about a profit and loss statement and equipment working and employees showing up. So he bought for us in 1999 and it's actually still in my family. My mom runs it today. So we've had it for 22 years and it's old school. It's a, just a little 400 square foot building. It's open six months a year, but you know, it definitely taught us a lot of lessons. But from that, what happened was, is when I went into school, my dad is in contracting and owns his own business. And I always used to go to his office with him when I was in high school and college. And I did his bills and his invoicing. And I kind of know, though my dad is a brilliant businessman, he understands his numbers enough to get by. But I could kind of tell he didn't maybe create enough strategies or efficiencies with them. And so that kind of drew me into accounting because I thought, okay, maybe if I could really understand how the balance sheet and the income statement and the cash flow all link, I can maybe create more efficiencies here. So when I went to college, I majored in accounting, marketing, and then entrepreneurship was a new major that was kind of surfacing. So I was a triple major. And when I graduated, I decided 
I wanted to work in accounting because I wanted to really dive into corporate tax. So I spent almost 10 years in public accounting doing taxes. I did honestly really enjoy it. But what happened was at the end of that eighth, ninth year, I got a brain aneurysm. And so I was kind of like then starting to look back to my roots in the ice cream world because I didn't not like ice cream. However, it just didn't bring in the business my parents had didn't quite bring in the income that I was making in accounting, obviously. So I kind of thought to it and I was like, how could I possibly turn ice cream into a full-time profession that would make me better money? And then maybe I could leave the tax world because obviously I wasn't going to make a partner with my migraines now and kind of some of the recovery stuff I was going to be dealing with. And my first brain aneurysm was, I've had two, but my first brain aneurysm was not as bad as the one I just recently encountered. I got it coiled. So they went up through my carotid artery in my leg and they filled it with like platinum rods and they push all the blood out of it. Brain aneurysm is just like a ball of blood in your brain. And if it erupts, you don't have a very high success rate of living. So when they did that, it wasn't as bad as like my second surgery, but it definitely had a little bit of a recovery in my migraines, which I've always been a chronic migraine sufferer. But after that surgery, my migraines definitely went intense. So when I was 30, I went to New York and my friends and I just happened to stumble into this old school gelato shop and a little old man ran it and he had a little cooler with like six flavors, but it gave me the idea that very seldom do I go into an ice cream store and do they make the appeal of ice cream visual. And even if they do, they usually use dipper wells, which you go in and you see a big tub of ice cream and, you know, maybe it looks cool, but usually it doesn't. <laughs> and I thought <clears throat> social media was just starting to pick up. Maybe this was the ticket. Like maybe if I made a store and I really took it like visual and I made the whole thing pretty much look sexy because I just took a gamble with how quickly Facebook was catching on that that was probably the way society was going. So that kind of launched the initial idea of churn that I was gonna hand make ice cream in a store starting every day and that the ice cream would be super fresh and we would have a ton of variety because I was always a person that just in general loved variety. But then I thought, all right, well, I'm gonna have to open that store pretty early to get the ice cream made. So that's how the coffee angle got brought into it, that I would, open early, serve coffee in the morning and make the ice cream. And then at night we'd have, you know, obviously the full ice cream with trimmings where you get cones and milkshakes. So we, I decided to stay working while we did our build out, but I found a spot on route eight that was fairly priced. <laughs> the problem was the build out was very bad. <laughs> as in like we didn't have water lines or electrical lines because I thought that's just what a build out was. You don't start with anything but four walls. So there's a free tip. You don't want to start that bare. <laughs> but my dad was in contracting. So luckily helped me a lot with the build out. He grunted and groaned a lot. <laughs> and I won't lie, a build out's supposed to take about three to four months. Ours took about eight. <laughs> so, you know, I made a little sign that said we were opening in July and that sign changed every, you know, two weeks. And we opened October 30th of 2015. <laughs> and I can't lie, my parents thought 
well, you gave up a really good occupation to open an ice cream store in the winter. <laughs> I was like, yep. But it went extremely well. They caught on pretty quick. The concept, people did like the variety. So we have 10 staple flavors that we carry all the time, but every store carries at least 30 flavors that there's on display in like gelato cases and decorate it. And when you pull a flavor, it turns into something else. So if we have orange cream out and we sell out, then it'll turn into like black raspberry truffle. People have really caught on to that. It's become a huge concept. To date, we've made over a thousand flavors. And on the other side of the business, we're pretty much to say we're like a full Starbucks. You can get any latte, you can get a flat white, you can get a frappuccino. So pretty much anything like that. And then we do cakes and we do catering. So that's kind of what started all that. And then I won't lie, it caught on quickly, but it was a lot of work. <laughs> and I won't lie, if you would ask me in 2016, I would have said, we are going to have one churn for the rest of our lives. <laughs> but in 2017, an opportunity in Cranberry happened. And it was definitely a much easier build out. And I think in part because of the challenge of just doing another build out was there. And in second, there was just the challenge of the Cranberry area and just seeing, hey, was my concept good just because it's in Gibsonia? The concept actually have validity. So that's pretty much how we started to expand. And then honestly, I think I just am in love with the build-out process. Like, unlike most, I love a build-out. <laughs> I huh. think it is just awesome. I think turning four walls into something that people are going to come and enjoy is like one of the greatest things ever. Wow. That's incredible, Kelly. I have so many questions. Um, so let me go back. It, when your parents began the ice cream shop, which is named what, by the way? Because you said it's still in business. It is. And it's called Kelly's Dairy Delight. Oh, okay. Yes. Did they have experience actually making ice cream? Or did you guys nope. just learn that? So my parents' ice cream shop is a soft serve shop. So we didn't, we didn't never made ice cream at that store. Ah, okay. It's a soft serve shop and it's just chocolate, vanilla, and Swiss. And then there's another soft serve machine that's yogurt. So we never made ice cream at the Dairy Delight. So how did you learn or how did you learn to make coffee too? Ice cream? I used to dabble in a little bit. I have an Italian grandmother who occasionally made vanilla. So I knew how to kind of basically make vanilla. Other than that, if you want me to be honest with you, I was like, well, I have the basics of this and I don't know. So I won't lie. If there was ever something that people were like inherently built, born with a skill, this is mine. <laughs> because like, if you wanted to come, to, if we cater a wedding and someone comes to me and I'm like, hey, Kelly, we're having this cookie at the wedding and we want an ice cream to taste like that. I can get you so close to the taste of that ice or that cookie. Um, I don't know. It's a very weird skill I have, but I can, you know, we've made ice cream. I mean, we made ketchup ice cream before we've made pickle ice cream. We've made Cheetos ice cream. Yeah. It's just a really like fortunate skill I have that I'm very good at making ice cream taste like whatever you want. So yeah, I don't know. I can't tell you there's like no secret. I just like, I'm just very gifted there. I've always been a dessert eater. I was always the kid that was like, hey, I won't take any food, but you know, if you want me to eat those seven brownies, I got you. <laughs> so I just have a lot of experience eating. And that was always our family thing. Like, hey, if you do something good, let's all go out for ice cream. So we have been to so many ice cream stores over the years. Like that was just always something my dad really enjoyed. So that was why, even though we didn't have experience in the 
ice cream or like maybe making it. I don't know. I had a lot of ice cream in my days. So even when we went out, I could always say, uh, that ice cream was, you know, you could definitely tell it was made with syrup or this ice cream you could tell was made with fruit. For coffee, I'm going to be honest. We hired a roaster because we don't roast our own coffee. We went to a coffee class. I catch on quick and we ran with it. <laughs> so, and my first employee was awesome. My first employee that I hired um, worked for, here for a year and a half. And he also caught on pretty quick. And between the two of us, honestly, we just kind of put it together. I always was like at Duquesne, I was always in the coffee shop. So I don't know, I tried pretty much everything on the menu throughout my time there. So I kind of absorbed a lot that way, I guess. But I did, I was very fortunate. I just caught on to everything really quick. So if I made the drink twice, I would have it down. We'll tell you my worst experience was opening weekend. I will remember a lady came in and ordered a chai tea latte. And was like, oh, I judge everyone by their chai tea latte. And I remember looking at Jaden was the guy that started with me. And I was like, oh man, chai tea latte. And I thought, well, latte, it must have espresso in it. And a chai tea latte does not have espresso in it, but we put espresso in it. And that's the one boo-boo I will tell you, I always remember because we didn't really look it up. We made the rest of the drink right, but we added espresso to it. And I will say, I never saw that customer again in all seven years we've been open. I thought, <laughs> well, we cannot nail that one. <laughs> I love your raw honesty. And, and yeah, I like oh. <laughs> I mean, you're diving, you're diving head first, it sounds like, in a lot of things. So that brings up another question I had. So I know it's a more serious topic, but you mentioned the brain aneurysms. And a lot of people may have experienced something like that and been a little nervous, maybe to make a change, a big change or to push yourself into some unknowns. But it really seems to have been a catalyst for you to just dive in. So can you give us a sense of like how you were feeling in terms of, you know, your motivation at that point? Sure. So after my first brain aneurysm, I think the way that the doctors kind of handled it, I was too oblivious. Like I really didn't think much of it, except I thought, wow, my headaches really suck now. And looking at a computer screen is definitely hard. But the way my doctors kind of talked about it, like after surgery, they were like, all right, we, we had, we were so successful. You know, you go in for an angiogram every year after, and they're like, as long as it's clean for 10 years and you're good for life. And I don't know, at the time I was so young, I thought, you know, I was in my early twenties and I was like, oh, wow, they killed it. Like, it's great. So I think I thought like the way they downplayed it, I didn't really think about it enough that I really, you know, I just kind of passed on it. My second one, I will tell you. So what happened was I went in for my 10th angiogram, which means 10 years from my surgery. And they're like wheeling me back for my angiogram. And they're really so excited. Like, oh, wow, Kelly, this is, this comes back clean. You're good to go. You go on a five-year stretch. And they were so pre-excited for it. And I wasn't necessarily excited thinking I was going to get the clearance, but I was just like, I was just like, wow, this is so weird. Everyone's so excited already. <laughs> like, so we wheeled back and then I've done it enough that I knew something was wrong the way it was going. So when they wheeled me out and they were like, oh, you're not going to believe this, Kelly. Um, you know, I know it's your 10 year reunion here, but unfortunately you have two new aneurysms and we're going to have to um, do a craniotomy. And I thought, I don't know. I just think you feel so many things and it happened so quick because I only had like two or three weeks until they had to do my brain surgery. 
that like you literally spend those I mean I thought like okay well I have to get my stories together and I also thought like wow I hate you people because like you really screwed that up but I will say like um the thing is is you know people always say like if you knew when you were gonna die what would you do and or would you want to know and I don't necessarily think I would ever want to know that but I will tell you the fact that you know one day you're going to die I hope makes you work a little harder in life because I would like to think everybody wants to make some type of an impact in their life and I think the fact that I continuously have brain aneurysms or weird things happen it does make me work a little harder because it's like well unfortunately for me like I obviously can no longer have kids so I think like okay everyone that works for me at some point, at least the kids that work for me, you know, longer than a couple of weeks or six months or something, I would like to say, Hey, if they learn one thing for me, like, and it's go for your dreams or don't give up or be willing to try something new. I would like to think maybe that's the change I'm going to make. And so my thing is, is if anything, it kind of pushes me to try harder and make an impact quicker, just because I think, I don't know. I'm definitely a person that knows my days are numbered in a different way. And hey, I might live to be 100. I might live to be 50. But I don't ever get up and think, oh, this might be my last day. I mean, to me, I think my days are numbered just like everybody else's. I just think sometimes I have to fight a little harder for them. But I think in a way, it kind of keeps me more motivated and more disciplined. So I can't ever say I feel unfortunate about my health only because I don't know if I'd be as successful if it wasn't so crappy as it gets sometimes. So only because it, it does, it keeps me more focused. It keeps me more disciplined. It keeps me super gracious of days I have that are good. I mean, sometimes I've definitely thought, hey, what would happen if, you know, it's seldom I'm going to go a whole week without a migraine that's going to put me in bed. But then it definitely means like days that I have that I am super healthy and I don't have a migraine or I don't have pain. I can tell you those days I'm definitely going to get a lot more done than probably an average person that doesn't know what it's like to live in pain. So I don't know. It's weird. It keeps me super motivated and just always keeps me wanting more and wanting to strive for more. And it also keeps big, it keeps a big picture. Like I'm not going to get caught up on little things. And I will tell you, I think a lot of small business owners can get caught up in those small things and that they lose their drive, especially like COVID has made, unfortunately, the customer experience kind of miserable in some ways because people come in and they take out their daily strife on us. And it's like, hey, we're just scooping you ice cream. I understand everyone's been awful and gas is extremely expensive, but we can't help that. You know, we're not the ones setting that price. But I can tell you, I don't leave here at the end of the day and think, oh, wow, today sucked because, you know, four or five people yelled at me over something that wasn't my fault. Like, it's very easy for me to keep that stuff in line because of my real life, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So you don't sweat the small stuff, but you're thinking forward impact, forward progress. You know, what can, what is my legacy going to be? I need to work hard and stay, stay driven, which is really admirable. Yes. And it's also something I try really hard to stress to my staff. Like, so if they call me and, you know, someone flipped out because they didn't get enough whipped cream on their Sunday, it's very easy for me to try to like walk them off that, that, Hey, like, let's not worry about Susie who didn't like the whipped cream pourings on their Sunday. <laughs> let's just focus on customer C. So I do think like in one way, like that's been a huge help to me. Like maybe I wouldn't be so good at working with the kids if I didn't have those, you know, those obstacles in my own way. 
Sure. No, that makes sense. And since we're already talking about, about these types of things, another question would be for any dreamers out there that might be listening, you mentioned a couple of things that I found really profound. Your, your ability to be very strategic. You know, you saw Facebook um, becoming popular and you ran with that, the idea of visualization. You made a huge change from you know, a, a job that you were working for somebody else and, and making a good pay to being an entrepreneur. You've taken on so many projects by yourself, it sounds like. So do you have any like overarching themes or advice for people who might be looking to make a change and start their own business? I would tell you that there's never a perfect time. Like so many people come to me and they say, yeah, I think like next year I'm finally going to be ready. No, that's not really true. Like you're never going to be ready. I would say just do it. Like, I mean, there's never going to be a time like if you do it and it does fail or you can't make it work, then there's always you can always fix it later. Like you can always go back to corporate or you can always go back to whatever it was you were doing before. So if you want to take a chance and, you know, you have your basic opportunity ready, like how people come to me and they have crazy large business plans. I don't get me wrong. I think a business plan is super important, but no matter how well you plan that on paper experience and things that are actually going to happen every day, you're never going to be able to put every single incident on paper. You're never going to know when the ice machine is going to break or when the cooler is going to break or the air conditioner and things like that are just people never even think about that when they're writing their business plan. Those are the things you're never going to be able to plan until you actually experience it. Or people also don't think about, hey, an employee is not going to show up or you're going to spend three months training an employee and be like, oh, I nailed it. This girl's so good. And then they're just going to quit. Like those are the things that are actually the hardest things to maneuver in a business that you're just going to have to experience it to learn. As long as your business is like a quality product, you treat your customers well and you appreciate them. Like for the most part, you're probably going to be good as long as you're in your concepts decent. And that's when I think it's just time to go. I mean, there's never going to be like, you just got to try it. The other thing I would say is don't start a business and assume you're going to hire a manager on day one and you're not going to be present. You have to be present in your business at the beginning. You have to learn what people do and don't like. And it's best to learn it yourself. Like the first year that Churn was open, I lived there. And I'm not saying maybe you don't have to live there, but you have to understand, especially in like a newer concept, what's going right and wrong yourself. And that's the other thing I hear a lot of people say is I want to open a business and hire a manager to work there 40 hours so I don't have to. Okay, well, you're putting your whole financial livelihood in someone else's hands. So if it fails, I don't know if you can really be shocked because you're letting somebody for an hourly rate determine it. So I don't know. Those are probably the two biggest things I hear. And I would just say, it's your dream. Like put everything you have into it. So, you know, if it doesn't make it and it's not a failure, but a lesson, you still tried your best. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. If you don't put all of your heart and soul into it, how can you expect other people to, to buy into it? Um, yeah. Okay. So can you give us a taste as to what might be coming in the future for churn? Yes. So number one, we have decided, and mainly because, you know, with my own health and the fact that, you know, I would like to put a little more time into that, uh, we decided to franchise. So we are going to be launching franchising. However, it's going to be a pretty hands-on procedure still. Um, you know, I'm a part of every franchise until their opening day. And then, you know, we'll have secret shoppers and all that. So starting in the fall, we are going to really be hitting the floor with franchising. 
And the second thing that we are going to be starting to work on is we just got a new permit that allows us to do like mass distribution into grocery stores or other types of establishments with pints. Oh, fun. Yeah. So we are currently working with the FDA to create food labels and things like that, but we plan to, um, and we're currently looking for warehouse space, but we plan to be up and running by fall with that. Wow. That'll be so exciting. I'll have to look for it in the shelves of the giant eagles in Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Should be fun. It should be fun. Okay, so thank you so much for your awesome story and for sharing that with us today. Before we leave, do you want to pitch any social media, website, email? Where can our listeners find you guys? Sure. So our website is turngetsme.com and our Instagram and Snapchat is churn underscore homemade. And if you are interested in franchising, it has its own website at churnfranchise.com. Wonderful, Kelly. Well, best of luck to you. Uh, like I said, I'll be looking forward to seeing your ice cream pop up on the shelves and our listeners, make sure you stop by any of the locations, uh, check out the awesome visuals in the stores and I'm sure the, the awesome taste as well on all your different creations. Yeah, thank you so much. Are you feeling stuck? Do you constantly battle procrastination? Are you hoping to achieve more, but just need that extra push? Then accountability can work for you. With my Accountability Buddy program, you will get one-on-one -on -one personalized schedules, check-ins, and solutions to help you reach your goals. Whether it be your health, relationships, career, or creative goals, the Accountability Buddy program will keep you on track and will keep it real. Visit pghdreamerproductions.com to sign up now for the affordable Accountability Buddy program. That's pghdreamerproductions.com to get started today. It's time to pave your own way.